Sometimes you'll have people who will speak English perfectly. And that's not to say that, you know, you go ahead and have a full conversation with them. You still need to understand that we are not all doctors. Ask the Specialist, a podcast where doctors from Royal Darwin Hospital ask a team of specialists to answer the questions they have about working with Aboriginal patients. My name is Billawarra Lee. Billawarra means the red-tailed black cockatoo. I'm an elder of the Larrakia Nation. My name is Parawaingi Purintaramiri, a Tiwi elder. And my name is Rarjoy Melanie Herdman, and I am from Arnhem Land. The specialists are Larrakia, Tiwi and Yungu leaders who have all had personal experiences in hospital in the Northern Territory of Australia. Do you know how many Aboriginal languages are spoken in the Northern Territory? In the European Union, there are 24 official languages. On the subcontinent of India, there are 22 recognised languages. Whereas where we live in the Northern Territory, where there are about 75,000 Aboriginal people, 100 Aboriginal languages and dialects are spoken. That's huge. 100 Aboriginal languages and dialects in the Northern Territory. So unless you speak an Aboriginal language or many languages, communicating with patients through Aboriginal interpreters seems like a good option to consider. Unfortunately, at Royal Darwin Hospital at the moment, only about 7% of patients who need an interpreter get one. So there's definitely room for improvement. My name's Vicky Kerrigan, and in this episode, we're talking about working with interpreters to improve how you communicate with your patients. Interpreter service. My name is Bernadette. I stopped La Meningrad again and I've been living La Dao a long time now. I've been working in interpreter service. The Creole I speak in come from Daraila Nuka. I've got a family there too and I've been doing this job for a long time now. My name is Bernadette Nethercott. I work with the Aboriginal Interpreter Service. I interpret two languages, uh, Creole, which is from East um, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it covers all around Bulmun, Baswick, Nuka, Numbuwa, Minyeri. And one which is my language, which is Barada, come from a place called Meningrida. And that's only just one other language that's spoken in Meningrida. About 12 <laughs> languages there. And that's not dialects, is it? It's languages. It's languages. In this podcast, we're focusing on working with an Aboriginal interpreter. So we asked Bernadette to join our team of specialists. Bernadette speaks three languages fluently, Barada, Creole and English. She comes from Meningrida which is about 500 k's east of Darwin in Arnhem Land. And as Bernadette said, there are at least 12 different languages spoken in her community. Manangreed is one of the most linguistically diverse communities in the world. I heard a story about the Manangreed footy grand final a few years ago, 
Apparently the commentary was delivered in nine languages. Ask the Specialist is about getting answers to the most frequently asked questions. Like this one, which is asked by co-host Stuart McGrath. One of the questions is, when, when do you think a doctor should get an interpreter? Absolutely, the moment you realise that English is not their first language, absolutely critically important. And you've got to be very aware of body language. If you can see frowning and not comprehension in their eyes, well, then you slow it back down and ask them. If they're going to be telling the patients the treatments everything else that the doctor's going to be doing to them. Use an interpreter. It's the best way. Uh, Sometimes you'll have people who will speak English perfectly. And that's not to say that, you know, you go ahead and have a full conversation with them. You still need to understand that we are not all doctors. They can speak English, but of course they're not going to understand aortic rupture or renal failure and sometimes and I'm not saying all the time my experiences with doctors have been wonderful but sometimes I feel like it feels like a burden to have to sit down and go through it slowly at their pace at the patient's pace and not the doctor's and they just rush through the conversation and that's feedback that I've got from other relatives that has gone gone away for treatment and I'm the person that always gets told oh your cousin's gone she's going to get dialysis and she'll be back next week um are you sure so they've skipped to the part where all they've taken on is dialysis home everything else doesn't matter it's sort of like selective hearing but only because they're they're the words that they understand so they just pick and choose what they want (laughs) to take and hear and they say yep she's all good they said she was going to go on dialysis but actually she's coming home two months later she started dialysis remember in our first podcast we talked about the importance of building rapport with your patient You can yarn about fishing or footy or family, but be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking that just because you've had this great yarn about everyday life, that your patient's going to understand a complicated medical consult in English. When they say yes, it doesn't mean they understand clearly. They they can hear the words coming out of their doctor's mouth, which is simple words that they would know, and they are only saying to that. Yes, to that. It's like when I do training, we do five and one. We challenge them. So it goes like this. Ngai pengalera, kinunye pomuma, kinboya Melbourne. Gatia, kinboya shopping. Kengatika pambra, 4.30 kinera, kinboya church. So what did you understand? Was your brain scrambling to try to piece together the story? It's a great exercise and it gives us English speakers a small sense of what it might be like for people who don't speak English as their first language. Here's the story in English. 
I heard about your mother yeah. uh, in Melbourne. She went shopping, ran about 3.30, went to church, came out, the car was disappeared, the bag was on the ground. Ah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Aboriginal Interpreter Service offers training on how to best work with interpreters. And they suggest in that training session that you should tell the patient that you are the one who needs the interpreter, which is maybe the opposite to what you've been taught. You've probably been taught to think that the patient needs the interpreter. But think about it the other way. When you explain to the patient that it's you who needs the interpreter, you reduce the possibility of the patient telling you they don't need or want an interpreter. If you haven't done a working with interpreters training session, try to get to one. It's full of really good tips. Stuff like how important it is to brief the interpreter about the patient's condition before you start the consult. That way I can know what to explain to the patient in language because some of the words we don't have in our language and that's why the patients um, not understanding medical words as well. Mm. Yeah. So when you're interpreting with a doctor or a nurse, how can they best work with you? Do they need to keep sentences short? Yes. Uh, sentence by sentence, it's for me to work out in language as well. If he's talking in English and I can just pick that up while he's talking, picking it up, okay, this is what he said, then I can just interpret that. Don't use family members to be interpreters. They don't have the medical background usually and they may not want to say something to the patient that will upset them. They shouldn't use the health workers because health workers have their own job, their obligation. The health workers could be a family. Uh, she 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 might not be interpreting straight. She could be keeping or giving her opinion, giving her advice. But we interpreter as interpreter, we don't do that because we're well qualified interpreters. We have a code of ethic that we follow: accuracy, impartial and confidential. There was a story that a doctor told me, that idea of discharging against medical advice. Lots of people are really worried about that when patients discharge themselves. And this doctor said, how can you say that people are discharging against medical advice if they don't actually understand the medical yeah, advice? Yeah, that's a good point, eh? You know, in, in my experience working in the clinics, uh, a lot of the patients deemed non-compliant, you know, and then I'm like, um, this person doesn't really understand what's wrong with them. You know, there was one cancer patient who was just really, really pissed off. And, you know, they just said, oh, he's just angry all the time, doesn't want to engage with the healthcare. That's the only body language they got. But really, he didn't know what was happening to his body. So it was a language barrier. So I had to work with him for like two months to build that bridge, to build that relationship between the doctors and, and him. While you're talking about the time, the time also means that that person is now actually receiving the care that they are entitled to. Yeah, engagement, that's, that's all it is. Um, but now, yeah, he's, he's all good. He's tending chemotherapies in Adelaide, back, 
back and forth on time. I got called in once because the doctor didn't get into Bra at first. They called me in, oh, there's something we didn't explain to the to, um, the patient. And I said, did you explain it to the interpreter? Oh, no, we we're busy and it was urgent job. There is time. If they're in hurry, call on the phone. We're 24-7 on the phone as well. Even if it's a urgent matter of life and death, yeah. I can be on the phone. Yeah. yeah. If there's things they got to be explaining, book in next day. Yeah. Or book on that day. Even when you book an interpreter, there is a chance your patient's going to be nervous about asking questions. For many Aboriginal people, asking questions is not culturally appropriate. Some don't like talking too much. Yeah. They don't like ask questions. I tell them all the time, my family, look, ask question, anything. If you feel you're you, um, not knowing what's happening, ask question. And so the way that a medical practitioner has been taught to communicate is at the end of each consultation, the doctor will say, do you have any questions? That's correct, yes. I come across that. So when they say, oh, do you have any question? And then I would say, oh, you know, in my language, question them for a doctor. Like, have you got a question for the doctor? And they'd be, no. All right, let's go over what we've learnt with the podcast Paper Round. Get an interpreter the moment you realise the patient's first language is not English. Don't use family members or health workers as interpreters. Tell the patient you need an interpreter. It may reduce the risk of the patient feeling shame when it's suggested their grasp of English is not as good as yours. The point is, you don't speak your patient's language. Brief the interpreter on the patient's condition before you speak to the patient. Avoid long explanations and medical jargon. Keep your sentences short to give the interpreter time to interpret your message. And I'm going to leave you with something to think about. Can you think of a different way to end your consult? That standard, do you have any questions, question. More often than not, the patient replies no, even if they do have a question. Is there a different way of phrasing that? so that you can create an opportunity for the patient to engage with you. Next time on Ask the Specialist. Why do people leave without telling the nurse or doctor? I know there's different priorities, but why don't patients tell us more about why they're leaving? Some of these people who come to receive treatment and care in our hospital systems are sometimes the pillar of families. We'll talk about empowering your patient and explore why patients discharge themselves even when they are still really sick. Thank you to Auntie Bilawara Lee, Pira Wayangi Purantata Mary, Rachiwoi Melanie Herdman and Stuart Yiwar McGrath for sharing their knowledge and personal experiences. I'm Vicky Kerrigan. We hope you've learnt some stuff you can try at work, but we also hope you've been inspired to think about who you are and how you work. Because while it's helpful and completely fascinating to learn about Aboriginal cultures, if we're sincere about wanting to improve health outcomes for everyone, 
we need to critically think about our culture and how we can change, not just as individuals, but also take a look at the places where we work and the policies we've created to suit how we think the world should operate.